Welcome to the Network Marketing Heroes Podcast, hosted by 40-year network marketing veteran, author of best-selling books, The Four-Year Career, and Mach 2 with Your Hair on Fire, and world-renowned speaker, Richard Bliss Brook. When it comes to success in network marketing, who better to learn from than leaders who have actually done it? Listen as Richard interviews top leaders and gives you a behind-the-scenes look at how they did it. You'll get incredible tips and duplicable actions you can do right now to build your own four-year career. Stay tuned after this episode for an exclusive discount code to get 10% off Richard's easy-to-use tools that will help propel your network marketing business to the next level at blissbusiness.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome to yet another Bliss Business Hero Call. Richard Bliss Brook here. This is Hero Call number 103. Wow. For the last three years, we have sought out throughout the network marketing community highly ethical network marketing leaders that have built a legacy income, producing an extraordinary asset, something that they're going to earn on for the rest of their lives. We only choose legitimate network marketing companies with real products, and we only choose legitimate network marketing leaders that are highly ethical, that embrace the Bliss Business cultural commitments of network marketing leaders learning how to network and market differently so that our future generations, our kids and our grandkids, can enjoy an even more prosperous environment of building a network marketing income than we did. And this week, we have one of my favorite, very favorite network marketing leaders in the world. He just has this, he has this sort of panache, which is a little bit of crustiness with a lot of integrity and a lot of principles. And probably the most important thing, get this, this is going to like rock your world a little bit. He's only been with one network marketing company in his entire career, and his entire network marketing career now spans 55 years. 50 years with the same company building an asset income. He's got an incredible story. Starts on the farm in Michigan, goes to California where he actually went to school and got educated in spite of some pretty heavy criticisms to the contrary, and uh, found network marketing in a gas station, which we're gonna, we're gonna have to hear about this, and uh, built a fortune in network marketing, and where he parked that fortune is Nashville, Tennessee, which is one of the most beautiful cities in the world, right? He built his fortune in Shackley, which is, I don't know, he'll tell us, I keep getting it wrong, how long Shackley's been in business, 57 years maybe? Maybe he'll say 60 something, I think it's 57. Oh my gosh, 57 years in business. And uh, he's been with them for 50 years building an empire. One of the original multi, multi-millionaires in Shackley, Roland Oosterhaus, which is Dutch, which means, by the way, the <laughs> east side of the house, which we've now determined means that his name means he who watches the sunrise. Welcome to Bliss Business Hero Call number 103, Roland. 
Thank you, thank you, Richard. And I wanna thank you for what you're doing for the network marketing industry and doing these Zooms and these calls. This is very, very good. And also, I would like to qualify some things. I started when I was three. Yeah. Well, you look very well preserved. <laughs> does, does that Shackley stuff come in 55 gallon drums where you can just soak yourself in it? Is that how it works? 100 gallon. They work better. <laughs> you can take a bath in it. <laughs> well, there you go. That's how you preserve. Well, you look pretty good for 40. Thank you. And you look even better with 50 years with the same company, building asset income. And so we want to hear your story. I got to lay out this uh, disclaimer before we hear your story, because I've already called you like a multimillionaire and all this other stuff. And so... Uh, here's the disclaimer, folks. Don't try what Roland has done at home. Do not try this at home. It's dangerous. Most people do not succeed. And so what we do on the Hero Call is we only interview extraordinary people. And we don't interview extraordinary people to send you the message that you are going to accomplish the same thing Roland has. We're not making that suggestion. We're not insinuating that. We're not inferring that. What we're suggesting is by interviewing extraordinary people is one, you're probably not gonna do what they did, but whatever it is you do want to do, whether it's $1,000 a month or $2,000 a month or $500 a month, or whatever your dream is by us interviewing the most extraordinary people we can find in network marketing, we're gonna cover your dream in the process. So actually we do want you to try this at home, don't we? So Roland, there's your disclaimer. Tell us your story. Give us some background. Who was Roland Osterhaus growing up? What kind of family did you grow up in? What kind of environment? What kind of culture? What kind of input did you get as a kid? And bring us up to, you might just take like five minutes to do this. Bring us up to the point where you got introduced to network marketing. I'm Roland Osterhaus, and I'm an introvert. <laughs> so we'll start there. <laughs> an introvert with a headset. <laughs> and so, like you alluded to, I had some circumstances happen when I was young, told some various things when I was young, in elementary school, actually tell in the ninth us, grade. Tell us exactly what those were, were you? Because I, I thought it was profound that you remembered what those were word for word. I remember it every day. Those are experiences sometimes, good ones or bad ones, that can stay with you for a lifetime and they can uh, help you determine some of your decisions. So it was a small school, 19 in the classroom, and the principal was the one in charge of sitting down with each student who was gonna graduate and go to another school system because it only went to the ninth grade. And he would sit down with you in this room that I can still see today. I can still see the chair he sat in, I sat in, and he started off by saying, you're a bump on the log. <laughs> <laughs> he said that directly to you? He said that directly to me. This was a paid educator? Yes. <laughs> God. And I didn't say anything, what could I say? He said, you'll never make it in college. You'll never be able to hold a job you should probably go into the military and make it your career. 
Were you like talking exact- in class or something, shooting spit wads at kids? What were you doing to deserve this treatment? No, I was an introvert. And therefore, I was afraid to talk. In fact, in class, if I knew I had to talk, I would put my desktop up if they called on me. <laughs> as if they couldn't hear me. <laughs> and I if I knew it. I was supposed to speak the next day, I wouldn't be in school. Yeah. And I, I got poor it. grades. My, never, my parents never talked about, uh, did you get your homework done or anything like this? I just barely squeaked by. So everything fit the image that I had, and then he confirmed it, you're a bump on the log. Yeah. <laughs> you're never going to make it. Right. And so those words haunt me every day, every day. And even to this day, Richard, if I'm asked to read something because I was terrified of being up in front of a class or reading anything, I still kind of panic. Still panic. Yeah. And I know you tell your story about things that you think back in the past that happened to you too. Yep. So after high school, I went to another school, and after high school, I, uh, was get, I, I got a job in a factory making parts for jet engines. And I didn't realize the significance of what I was doing at the time, but I was making these blades that go into jet engines. And, of course, if a blade is not made correctly or has a crack in it, it could bring the plane down. But anyway, that's what I did. And fortunately, there was a guy working there from California, and he said, why don't you go to California and go to school? It's a lot cheaper. And I froze. And I said, I didn't say anything about what I was thinking. I said, no, 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 I can't do that. I can't do that. He said, yeah, go out there. Go to California. Well, I had never traveled much. I was raised on a farm, and I worked, you know, morning to night. And so he said, no, you can do it. My mother has an apartment out there. In fact, you can stay with her for a while. And no, I'll go to California. Well, I have always had the desire to advance, even though as an introvert, low self-esteem, really, really low. I said, okay. So I went to California, never been out there before, and uh, found his mother and had a place to stay. And I didn't have a job, didn't have anything. But I got a job in construction and worked there for the summertime. And I started taking a class at the junior college because I thought, I know I'm not supposed to go to school. I know I never can pass these tests. But if I really, really study very hard, then maybe I can do it. And, uh, well, I got through it okay. So it's fine. Got good grades. So then I continued my education. I went to a state college in San Fernando Valley uh, State University and uh, continued my education there. So were you working this whole time to support yourself as well? Yes, I was. Mm -hmm. And so I had a job. And and fortunately, at that time, the California educational system was very beneficial for the students in that they took care of a lot of costs and so on. In fact, at the junior college, my most expensive things were my books. The tuition was only $6.50. So that was very, very good. So... After that, I didn't know what to do. I mean, I had a degree in communications, of all things. I mean, I was terrified to speak, but I got in communication because I had this desire deep down inside. And um, But I had a job, didn't know what to do. And while I was going to school, I was working in the service station. A guy came in and said, you want to feel better? Well, in California, you have to use a little caution on that one. And so I, let me let me back up because I, I like, really like to isolate this. So what year was this? This was in uh, 1967. And this was a stranger that came into the service station? 
Yes. Now, this is a little before your time, Richard, but those were the days that you had somebody come out there and put gas in your car and check underneath the hood and clean the windows. And so, so Not before my time. Kind of, <laughs> Full service station. That's, so that's what you did. You were washing the windows and checking right. the oil. That's right. And so, so this guy leaned out the window and said, you want to feel better? Yeah. And I said, Mm, yeah, sounds good. <laughs> yeah, what's, so, an ounce, what's an ounce of pot going for these days? That's right. <laughs> so he said, "You go to this lady's house. I mean, get the. You go to this lady's house, and she has the stuff. <laughs> and you went. And in in uh, thirty days, you got to feel better. Okay, I said okay. So I went to this lady's house. Wait a minute. Wait a minute, Roland. I know why, this is too, this is too good to be true. Why did you go right? to this lady's house? Why? What was the thought you had? Well, she had the product, but he didn't say, you know, in 50 minutes you're going to feel better. 30 days. Did he so, say anything about money? No. Wow. And so were you sort of nutritionally oriented? Uh, somewhat. Because you had to be. I, I didn't understand nutrition that much. You had no. to be in your 20s, right? That's right. So, okay. <laughs> so, wait a minute. We, we want to capture this, though, for our training about uh -huh. what, like, how to invite people, right? Because <laughs> if it worked for you, we want to teach other people to do it. So, what, what you could do is just <clears throat> drive around to gas stations. Of course, the attendant's not going to come out anymore, so. You got to go inside. You got to go inside, <laughs> and, you, and you want to tell whoever will listen, do you want to feel better? <laughs> if so, go over to this lady's house. She's got the stuff and you'll feel better in 30 days. That's brilliant. I don't know why we're all not using that. I did use it later and I can tell you later what happened. Oh, good. We want to hear that. All right. So you went over to the lady's house and who was she and what did she say and what happened there? Madeline Trottier. She was uh, just getting started in Shackley. So she was the leader and terms of wanting to do a business and I just got some product from her but she said in 30 days you can feel better just take a couple things I said okay so I took these couple products went home started using them got the family using them and we felt better but I was not interested in the business at all but you know still going to school trying to get my degree yep and in the process of doing that for the next year I didn't try to promote Shackley at all in terms of a business but as you have said, I had a passion for the products, had a belief in the products. And so when I talked to people, they would talk about uh, after I got out of college, I went back to Michigan and so on, taught school one year. And in talking to people, as an introvert, I'm a good listener. And so they would talk about the weather and how bad they felt. And I'd ask a few questions, say, you want to feel better? <laughs> <laughs> and, Come over to my house. <laughs> and they said, well, I don't know. I mean, uh, you know, I eat, have a good diet. And I said, that's okay, but do you want to feel better? I just kept asking the question. Wow. And so I started getting a lot of people using the product. A lot of people. And uh, the people in California, the ones that helped me get started, they came to Michigan and said, we're going to do a meeting. And they said, you have all these people using this stuff. I said, yeah, I just asked if they want to feel better. And they're telling other people that want to feel better. It's the <laughs> it's, gas station technique. Yeah. 
<laughs> and, and so they said, well, maybe some of these people want to promote Shackling. I said, oh, I don't know. I don't think so. They said, well, let's do a meeting and talk about Find it. Out. <laughs> so a number of people came in as, hey, we're going to promote Shackley. That's good. And that's where in the first 90 days, I had a number of people who were distributors and wanted to distribute the product. So I understood that you got to have meetings. I mean, this is trying to learn everything, but I'll take the chance, in other words. Yeah. That's, that's the importance of the message. I will take the chance. I will take the risk. And so I had a meeting. The only guy who would come, the only person I initially had, he talked too much. He turned everybody off. It's the only guy I had. And so he'd sit at one end of the table. And I'd sit at the other side of the table and, and I'd push a product towards him. And I'd say, well, you talk about that for a while. <laughs> and I'll talk about the business. Well, pretty soon what really broke through and this all happened within three months. Once I decided to really do this business, because after teaching school, I was in the insurance business and they found out that I was talking to people about these products. And so they said, you have to do one or the other. And I yeah. said, well, I'm going to do this. I'm not afraid of working hard, worked on a farm. Uh, I was making uh, maybe $150 a month. So, you know, <laughs> I, could, I didn't have enough money to pay the bills, but I said, why not? You're making yes, 150 was, a month in Shackley or insurance? In Shackley. I was out yeah. of insurance. Okay. I got out. So fortunately, had a boy staying with us who uh, was kicked out of his house. And somebody said, well, you take him in. I said, yes, took him in. And he said, I have this girlfriend whose parents have a car they want to sell. Will you go with me? I said, yeah, I'll go with you. So I went to their house. And of course, they asked me what I did. And he was on disability income, five cancer surgeries. He smoked. His wife was way overweight. And you would look at them and say, no way. And they're that's not, what, another lesson not, I learned. Never judge. They're not Shackley candidates. Never judge. <laughs> they are not. So they asked me what I did. And I briefly told them. And they said, well, uh, why is it good? And I said, well, in 30 days, you feel better. And they said, well. I guess we'll try it. Well, okay, they're going to try it too. <laughs> so they tried it, and after uh, a month, they said, we can't afford it. I said, okay. But then after stop, they stopped using it, they said, we can't afford to be without it. They didn't have right. enough money to pay their bills. But they continued using the product. This guy happened to be a barber shopper, and he was looking better and feeling better, and people, uh, other barber shoppers said, what are you doing? You're looking so good. And he knew enough to keep his mouth shut for wow. the most part. And that's a very key thing. People talk too much. Yeah. And he said, uh, well, thanks. And, let, and just silence. Silence. Beautiful. And they said, what are you doing? He said, I never felt so good. Silence. Well, what, what I mean, what, what, what do you work? I mean, uh, what's going on? Just a couple of things. Silence. Well, what? I love it. <laughs> Just two things, 30 days. <laughs> You're going to be in better health in some way. Otherwise you get your money back. He could write a book. So he started bringing in all these other barber shoppers. And that's when things started growing. And in three months, in three months, having that weekly meeting, it went to 80 people in my house. Wow. Fortunately, we had a long living room. And, and this is another message. When you have the self-motivation, you'll get creative and do most anything yep. that works. 
And so to accommodate all those people, it's kind of like the Beverly Hillbillies, we took all the furniture out, the couch and everything else, put it behind the house so people couldn't see it, and brought in the folding chairs to make for room. And people stood around the outside. They sat on the floor in front of the speaker. They were standing up. Nobody complained. But it was pandemonium growth. That's what I call it. And whereby you get to that tipping point, and it explodes. Yep. I didn't know much about leadership, and that was a situation I had to learn later. But that's where a lot of the initial growth came in, and it just kept spurring on from there. And so, so give us give right. us a few stats, Roland. Um, if you remember, fifty years ago, I know I asked you, so maybe you went and did some homework. But uh, best guess, how many people did you personally enroll your first year? Probably in the first year, no more than forty. Well, that's that's right in the sweet spot. How about the second, third, fourth, fifth year? A few, but I'm not the best in sponsoring. That's not my forte. Forte, mm -hmm. but what I am good at is working through people. And I've said, if you give me two people, I'll build an organization. Yep. So you basically it, tap root. Yes, mm -hmm. and because when I talk to even a customer just about the product i find out about the whole market so that they tell, have tell us how you do that so if i'm a customer maybe i haven't even started on the product yet but you're you're in front of me how do you take advantage of being in front of me to expand your network my network to be nor your network how do you add my network to your network if you're talking to me how do you tap root most people think that I'm going to sit down with you. We'll say a few nice things about each other. <laughs> and then can I show you what I have? I feel the most important part of that opportunity to talk to somebody is where we just converse maybe for 20 minutes because they say, have you lived in the area very long? Well, yeah, I've been here about 20 years. Oh, great. You have brothers and sisters here? Yeah, we, I have two brothers and one sister. And, oh, wow, how old are they and what do they do? And I find out kind of work they do. And it's, it's not these what I call hard-hitting questions. Do you have right. relatives in the area? And <laughs> are they nice? <laughs> right. <laughs> I just ask these nice, gentle questions. Are your parents still living? Yes, they live in the area. Wow, do you guys get together at all? I mean, you got the brothers and sisters here and so on. Oh, yeah. Every Sunday afternoon, we go over to their house. That tells me they have a close family. What does your husband do or what does your wife do? And so, therefore, this is just a customer. I've got the whole market. I've Beautiful. got the whole market. That, to me, is the most important thing in a conversation with a person. And, of course, my other feeling is I want them to understand I'm not selling you. So I build a relationship with people, and I try to get people to understand you can build a relationship in the beginning of a relationship in about a minute and 30 seconds. How do you do that? People want to bond. In this high technology that we're in today, people are screaming for somebody to listen to them. That's why on Facebook, let me tell you, let me show you a picture of my dog and he pooped twice yesterday. 
And this is what I fed him for breakfast. <laughs> this is what I fed him for breakfast. Oh, my gosh. It's fantastic. He's had constipation for weeks, and now he's going to the bathroom. They want to tell the stories. They're begging for people to listen, and people are not listening. And I'm a professional listener, and I listen very carefully. So not only am I really searching to figure out where that market is, but I bond with them. And it, it could be about children. It could be about uh, how long you've lived in the area. Well, I used to live in someplace else. And really, when did you come over? I mean, it, it, I tell people, if you drive a 1,000 miles and you drive into a parking stall and another car drives in and they have the same license plate as, say, you're from, oh, really? Do you know so-and-so? Yeah. <laughs> right, yeah. We yeah. want a bond. I ride a motorcycle. And every time I pass another motorcyclist, we give the peace sign, we right. give the wave. Right. I drive by in a car, nothing happens. Right. I could be on my pedal bike, nothing happens. Right. But we want to bond. So I've got to bond with somebody in a minute and 30 seconds. If I have a chance to go into their home, I go into their home like I'm their friend. I don't stand at the door and say, oh, wait for them to invite me to sit down. Maybe I look at the plants. I like plants and say, wow, that's a beautiful, those are beautiful plants. Oh, yeah, let me tell you about my plants. Right. <laughs> or I see all these pictures on the refrigerator of all their family. And I say, wow, you've got a great family here. We've bonded. We've got to bond first with people. Otherwise, I'm a salesperson. So, Roland, could you spe specifically address the difference between in that first 90 seconds and the first 20 minutes, the difference between, okay, you say you're a listener. And so most people are talkers because they want to be heard. So dive a little deeper on that. So you ask a question, how do you listen? And what do you say after they told you whatever the answer to the question is? Like, what is your, what exactly do you do in that first 90 seconds? Besides asking them about their plant and make yourself at home, just dive a little deeper. I know you said it, just dive a little deeper on, if, if, you're, if you were telling me, Roland, okay, I'm a brand new distributor, and I'm telling you, okay, Roland, I wanna, I wanna do what you've done, I want to be a professional listener. I want to build relationships with people. I want to bond with people. What do I do when I meet people? Tell me what to do. The first thing, Richard, is you must hear how I communicate with people. So we set up three-way calls. Beautiful. So I'm going to model. And we record them. We record them. So you build a library of calls that you can go back to. One recorded call saves me 10 with you. Right. Beautiful. Because it's not what I say, it's part of what I say, but it's my tone of voice. It's my pauses. Some people, I must tell them as I'm helping them to learn how to communicate better, don't talk so fast. You scare people. Can you picture at the scene of an accident, a car accident, somebody comes up and says, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? What are you going to do? <laughs> in fact, I've been in that situation and I've told those people, "Come, get out of here. Yeah. <laughs> Because you got to talk to the people calmly. Right. Lay down. It's okay. We'll get help coming and so on. So 
I want to be able to make them feel comfortable with the way I talk, my tone of voice, and I'm listening for needs. Maybe it's a job they dislike. Maybe they're just out of a job. Uh, maybe they're looking for extra income. They talk about monies they're trying to come up with for their kid's college. Right. There's something, or maybe it's, it's a health issue that they want to talk about. And you, but you can only the, get there by asking questions and listening, right? Exactly. And now I know about their market. So therefore, if they say, I just, you know, just interested in the product right now. Okay. So I go through some of the products, but I mention a couple products that help people with perhaps issues that they have, like they had mentioned their dad has certain health issues or sick issues. And so I will say a lot of people get results from that. Oh, really? My dad should hear about this. Good idea. Very yeah. good. Very good. Right. And I mentioned something else. They say, oh, my sister should hear about this. And they will go ahead and talk to the parent, not me, first. Because the first thing they always ask me is, well, do you have any literature or anything? <laughs> And my answer is, no, I really don't. It depends on their diet because <laughs> I want to talk to them. <laughs> you just made that, you just made that up. Depends no, I did diet. not. <laughs> I use it all the time. <laughs> no, I mean, you made that up. That's, oh. that's like, depends on it. Is that the Shackley training program? We have a different brochure depending on your diet. No, they don't, <laughs> they don't get any literature. Right. <laughs> Nothing. I love because that. The, the goal is to talk to them. So walk me through, Roland, if you sponsor me and I say, hey, Roland, I want to build a business like you built, what are you going to have me do the first two or three weeks? What's my training program? What's my launch program? The first thing is that you must have a passion for this business. You must have a passion to make a difference for other people. People are looking for people to care. It can be about the business, so you have a different way of life, financial freedom, whatever. It can be about health. And so I take probably 20 minutes talking about the importance of the passion, telling stories, health stories, business stories, showing pictures of a couple. Here's where they were and here they, here's where they are now. And I give the details of what they went through and what they experienced, not just saying you can have freedom, financial freedom, you can perhaps help people to have better health. Now I'm going to tell stories because people remember stories. And if you do not have that feeling, that passion of making a difference for mankind, helping humanity, which this company was founded on, then there's no point in coming in. That's number one. Number two is you have your why. Not your why first, because your why may be to have a $100,000 horse. And not everybody has that why. Right. But you can have your own why, and that's important to have that why. And then the next thing is you'll be learning the sales plan. You must learn the sales plan, and you must set up three-way calls. You must hear how I communicate. I don't want you talking to people because yep. you turn that warm market off. It's going to take five years to recover from it. Right. And people are so sensitive today. I mean, we see it on the news. Somebody kind of twitches their nose and I'm going to sue you. Right. Right. <laughs> and yeah. so it's a very sensitive market. 
they don't want to be sold, but they're looking for what we have, but don't tell me what to do. Yeah. So that's a very key thing. So whether it's with product or the business, after asking a lot of questions, say with the business, I say, can I tell you how it works? You got to get permission for everything. Right. All I have to say is, well, let me tell you how it works. I'm pointing the finger. Right. Subconsciously, it's a detriment. Yep. So everything was with a question. So when they start talking about what they want, I say, can I tell you how to get what you want? All I do is repeat them like a, repeat like a parrot. So I'm not trying to come up with grandiose things. I want to find out where their thinking is, what they can handle, and maybe stretch them a little bit. But I always ask them, how do you feel about this? Like I talked to somebody the other day, <clears throat> excuse me, and I said, okay, you're at this point. Uh, you've been in for a period of time. And what are you looking at? What are you thinking of? How are you going to do it? And then you find out for most people that the way they're going to do it is not going to work. <laughs> and so I don't jump on it. That's a bad news. And people say anything, make any comment. Oh, yeah, let me tell you about this. Or no, you shouldn't do that. I take it all in. Mm -hmm. And can I tell you how it works? And so when I tell them how it works, once again, I go through the philosophy. We've got the products that work. We have a huge, huge market. And I know how to tap the market. But you must be coachable. Can I tell you what coachable means? <laughs> I love it. <laughs> coachable, I don't know how you're going to feel about constructive input. And I'm not looking for an answer now, but within 48 hours. Because some people don't want to be coached, and that's okay. Because I'm not trying to sell you on anything. But I know what I have is very, very, very good. But I will be going over with you if you want my help and if you want to accomplish what you're talking about, then I want to find out what you said, what they said, what you said, what they said. Because if it's done right away, then I hear the tone of voice that they have used with that person. I hear all this stuff. And then I can say, okay, I always try to give them a compliment first. This was good, but this must change. Right. This must change. And another thing that's really, really important that most people don't do because they're so self-centered. They're not really making other people's day, which is so important in business today. They don't compliment. Compliments will win the game. Right. And they do not compliment. And therefore, today, in today's market, I don't care what it is, People are so sensitive to feelings. Give you an example. I have a Lowe's store that is three miles away. And I have a Home Depot that is seven miles away, and I do some remodeling and things like this in my own house. So I go there quite frequently. I hate going to Lowe's. They have the tools I'm looking for. They have everything I'm looking for. But when I walk in the door, I'm not respected. And it bugs me. Mm -hmm. I hate it. Mm -hmm. I will drive seven miles to Home Depot. Because when I walk in the door, I'm treated like a king. And if I say, yeah. can you tell me where something is? I'll take you there. Lowe's, let's see, I think it's aisle 15, maybe 16 on the right-hand side. Yeah, good luck. <laughs> so what did we hear last week? 
Lowe's is closing 21 stores. Mm-hmm. Home Depot split their stock. All from culture. Relationships. Southwest Airline. When other airlines were doing poorly, they're making money. Right. Because the whole focus is make their day. Make their day. And there is an art in doing that. And it's not just for the business that you're in that's good. It changes you as a person to be a better person. So going through the checkout lane in the grocery store where somebody's just doing their job, but you see their name tag and you say, Dorothy, good to see you. They just brighten up. It makes (laughs) their day. And when you call a government agency of some sort, they definitely are just doing their thing. And I talked to one the other day. Mrs. Miss Smith. Hi, my name is Miss Smith. My number is this and this and this and this and this. What can I help you with? And I says, Miss Smith, how are you doing today? It changed her whole attitude and she couldn't do enough to help me. Right. So it helps us to be a better person and recognizing people. And that's a great part of the self-improvement course you get in network marketing. Right. <laughs> So, Roland, tell us some stories. You have, I asked you, you have 11 leadership legs, correct? Correct. That's 11 people somewhere, first level or third or fourth or fifth level. Somewhere in there is a leader, more than one, but at least one that has duplicated you that's driving their own business, that provides you with that asset income. So you don't have to drive them. They're driving their own bus. Tell us a couple of stories about people that you either personally enrolled or you were the one second, third generation that enrolled and inspired them. What were they doing before Shackley and how are they doing now? Like how has their life changed? You got a couple of stories like that? Well, one of the things that I try to teach people when the timing is right to learn this is that if you build depth in your business, you will always be successful. How do I get more people to meetings? Build depth. How do I get more volume? Build depth. How do I get people asking about the business? Build depth. So I have been good at building depth. My organization goes really, really, really deep because I tell people, Once they start understanding the business, you're going to be working with somebody at the sixth level to you. Could even be a customer because people appreciate more what they have to lose and what they have to gain. Right. So we create a loss situation. And of course, people have to see it before they believe it many times and they start seeing it happen. So the person who's at a greater distance from me in the organization I know everything. Some of the people I brought in myself, they, know, they think I don't know anything. They right. know me too well. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and so they have to make a decision as to whether they're going to take advantage of that. And that will save years of time. So many people keep working with that first level they bring in, they brought in, and they just keep working with them, working with them, working with them, working with them, and nothing happens. I say build depth, get down to that sixth level. And the goal is that you want to have not only a first level leader, a second level leader, but the third level leader becomes the key, Mm -hmm. becomes a key. But until you get down to sixth, seventh levels, you don't get that third. Mm 
Right. That's where you throw the roses. Because by their business moving up, then that second level says, hey, I think I can do this. And the first level says, I can do this and this and this. So therefore, it's all about building depth in the organization. So I have given meetings and worked with people very closely that are in depth. And I've gone to the upline leader and asked them, what do you want to do? How are you going to do it are my two questions. It takes about a half hour. And do you want my help? And some of them said, no, not really. I'm happy where I am. And that's okay. Love you where you are. But I just want to let you know, I'm going to be working in your group down here. There are people who get possessive. Yep. And say, mm, after we've gone through the process, what do you want? How are you going to do it? And so on. Um, you don't need to do anything there. I don't want you working there. Okay, no problem. Can I tell you what I'm going to do? I'm going to work with them. <laughs> anyway. Do you understand that I'm helping you? You don't have to be involved at all, but I'm helping you. That's what I'm going to do because I feel it's the right thing to do. It's the right philosophy. It's not trying to take anything away from them. I'm sorry they're possessive, immature, whatever it might be, but I'm going to help those people who can use my help. If they say no, that's fine. So I'm going to help those people. And therefore, I have a number of people at the third level, fourth level, who've built very large organizations, and they all contribute to the workforce. So can you give us a couple of stories about, here's a couple, this is, what they, this is where they live, this is what they did for a living, they got involved in Shackley, and here's where they're at now. One couple, third level, barely hanging in there. The wife's doing the business. I said, well... If you come to my house, you and your husband, not to get him involved, but so he can understand what you're looking at because they're ready to drop out. Mm -hmm. And so I go through the process. What are you looking at? How are you going to do it? Everything else. <laughs> and then I said, you know, I know how to do it. You have to have confidence in me to the wife. And I said, I can tell you right now to the husband, if you get involved, we'll cut the time span down immensely. Right. It's up to you. So after going over things, he says, I'm in. I'm in. So now I have both of them that I can work with. They're both very coachable. And they start building a business which strengthens the people upline. The upline did not get into the system as well as they could have, but they improved from where they were because of the working with that third level. And the third level not only developed a number of leaders, and further down line because of that, but it also influenced other people in my business because I was looking for an example. You gotta have examples in the group, especially when you have a group that's been around for a while. You gotta have examples. And I saw them as the example, and therefore I throw them the roses. And Beautiful. of course- so where, And where is that couple today? They still have a strong business, they're in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Mm -hmm. So speaking of strong business, um, I didn't pull all your stats together, but I know when people are listening to this, they, they just really can't understand 50 years. Like, you know, how do you, how do you have a network marketing business for 50 years? And, and really what I'm all about, as you know, is that's the only network marketing business to have. If, 
if you can't see your way clear to building something you're going to get paid on 50 years from now, why even do it? Just go get a job somewhere. So uh, one of the stats that uh, I saw in your business, Roland, which I want people to know from a geometric growth standpoint, tell us how is it that in the last 50 years, well, here's a question. In the last 50 years, how many people, how many network marketing companies have you seen come into your marketplace, into your team, into your consciousness, how many network marketing companies have you seen that said, we have a better way, we're going to be bigger, we're going to be the biggest, we're going to change the game, we're going to reinvent network marketing? How many greener pastures have you seen in the last 50 years? There have been many. I mean, 50, 60 <laughs> that have come in. And that's another good point because people have got to realize you are the company. Okay. I can talk about the company, but they've got to understand I am the company because they cannot relate to a company they've never talked to or they've never right. visited or anything else. So I've got to be the company. And therefore, it's so important for me to be strong and say, this is who I am. This is where I'm going. I'm not going to push you, but I know what I'm doing and you want to join my team. So how is it in the last 50 years, Roland, that you personally have avoided the temptation, maybe you were tempted, but you never did it. How did you avoid falling prey to the hype and the promises of startups and the latest, greatest, we're going to be the next billion dollar company? How did you stay put? Because many years ago, when I got started, I bought into the mission. So I can go over the mission with people. But the other thing is, I have emphasized again and again and again to people, you cannot build a strong, solid organization with a bunch of hype and activity. It doesn't last. It doesn't not last. There's got to be something solid there. And so, well, it goes back to the mission. It goes back to your belief. It goes back to things that you want to learn to improve. But if you're going to join anything because of a bunch of hype and excitement, you've got to be prepared. It probably will not be around in five years. Right. And I have taught that again and again and again. We're real. You've got to be real with people. As soon as you jump in with a bunch of hype and activity, then you're a phony. That's what people start feeling, uh, and especially in today's market. And I yeah. want them to understand I'm real. And that's why when I'm talking to people, and, and I deal with the elephant in the room with them. That's the other thing that leaders must do. It's not the most comfortable thing to do, but when I'm dealing with the elephant in the room, I tell them I care about you. That's why I'm going over it with you. Do you believe that? That's what I tell them. I want them to know it comes from the heart. Mm -hmm. And therefore, if they join this company, they join because of the feeling of the heart that I've put out there for them. And most people do not deal with the elephant in the room. Right. <clears throat> they avoid it. Yep. All right. Here's an elephant in the room for you. Mm -hmm. In the last 50 years, what is the biggest mistake that you've made? And it could be a one-time blunder or it could be a bad habit. And it doesn't necessarily have to relate to your income and your build. Could be any area of your life. Speaking to the audience, 
as a lesson, what's the number one mistake you've made? Made it twice. Never did it again. I had this person who, 80 years of age, I told her, <laughs> I told her how much better she would feel using these products. After about a week, I called her up and said, how are you doing? Do you feel any better? And she says, oh, I don't know. Do you have more energy? Yeah, maybe. Less sleep? Uh, maybe. I thought, what in the world? She's 80 years of age. She can't tell me anything. A couple of days after that, I get a call from her daughter. And she says, I want to have some of those products that my mother is raving about. <laughs> I took her thunder. I took her thunder. And it's interesting that that lady went on to become a sales leader at 80. <laughs> uh-huh. So tell people, how did you take her thunder? Because first of all, I told her what was going to happen. And then I quizzed her on all these things that were supposed to happen. So therefore, I've never done that again. Well, I did it one other time when somebody got a car through the business. And I had seen their car at the dealership. And they called me up and said, we want to take you for lunch in our car. We're going to pick it up this afternoon. And I said, I already saw it. <laughs> they never picked me up for lunch. Yeah. Okay, so what I tell people, you must do the same thing that you would with a child. Actually, we're just dealing with big kids. And so the child comes in with a drawing. The mother says, wow, or the parent. That's a pat on the back. That's a compliment. Then she asks a question. So what are your animals on there? What are they? Well, it's a giraffe and a giraffe and a horse and a giraffe. You know your animals, don't you? Another compliment. And another question, and another compliment. 10 minutes later, there are 10 more drawings. So when somebody tells me about something that's positive in any way, it's like I've never heard it before. Right. I think of this young guy, had a lot of uh, sick issues, irritable bowel syndrome's problem. And he was telling me all the problems he had, how many times he'd have to go to the bathroom, so many times a day, young guy. And so anyway, he started on some products, checked with him, how you doing? And he said, well, I'm feeling a little better. See, people don't want to speak up too much because they're afraid somebody's going to say, hey, you got to get into this thing. Right, yeah, I got you a know. train load of this stuff you can order. <laughs> it's just like a couple goes to the car dealership and the husband says to the wife, don't feel or talk excited about right. it. Because <laughs> exactly. they're going to say, let's go in the other room. Right. And so I said, well, really? What's going on? How do you take it? What do you do? What do you put it in? Well, I do this and this and this. And pretty soon he's telling me, I talked to my parents about it. No, you did. You talked to your parents. What'd they say? They said it sounded pretty good. They're interested. No kidding. They're interested. Where do they live? Oh, they just live 10 miles away. No kidding. He became a sales leader in Shackley. Brilliant. All right. So flip it. What's the smartest thing you've done in 50 years? Learned leadership. Speak to that. You said you made a comment earlier that you didn't know that early on. You didn't know leadership early on. What happened that you got the wake-up call to learn it, and how did you learn it? Many people came in because they were very, very excited, got the momentum going, and that was the time that I should have, I didn't know, how to sit down with people and prepare them for the future. 
A leader is a visionary. A leader is one helping other people with their vision. I didn't do that. I didn't know about that. Now I can tell people, you must have more details of the future than you do the present. Right. The present keeps changing, but the future is the same. And it's not just having a picture on the wall. Get the feeling in your body. Like I told somebody the other day, I said, this is what you must picture. At the next conference, you're running up to the stage with your camera because the person you've been working with is walking across stage at a new rank and you're trying to take a picture, but the tears are so much in your eyes you can't really see. That's the picture. That's the picture. Picture walking on that stage because people are going to be applauding as you're going to tell them how you did this thing. You've got to feel it. You've got to feel it. And the vision, as you've talked about and mocked too so much, and the self-motivation is, is utmost important. If you don't have the vision, then it's all focused on the present. And I've made the mistake of trying to work with people a long period of time, and it's all on the present. Right. Trying to help them with their communication skills and everything else. A long time, Rich, is embarrassing. I used to listen to the phone calls this, this guy had, and I'd try to correct him, but he had no vision for the future. Then do that again. Right. <laughs> Brilliant. All right. So, Roland, to wrap this up, um, you know, uh, push the button on your uh, innate inspiration. So there are thousands of people that listen to this podcast. Um, they're not just in the United States. They're not just in North America. They're all over the world. And it's not just people listening this week. It's people listening next year, five years from now. And the bulk of the people that listen to this podcast are not people like you. They're people that were like you perhaps in their first year, uh, perhaps in their second year. Like they're in and they want for this to work, but they're missing that just 100% it's inevitable. You know, the, there's kind of those three phases, the – we believe it's possible, that kind of has us sign up. We believe it's probable, that kind of has us get to work, but we don't really light it up until we believe it's inevitable. And so I think most of the people that listen to this podcast are in the possible and probable stage, which means they've only got their foot, you know, they're kind of in first gear and they haven't lit it up yet. And of course, that puts them all at risk. You know, we know 95 to 98% of the people that want to build a team in network marketing, you know, they may try, but they end up giving up. Um, because, you know, everybody has a different level of staying power. How long can you last when you're not producing results? And so what I'm going to ask you to do, Roland, is speak to those people that are on the bubble. They're at risk. They're trying they're maybe think they're working hard, but they probably really are not working consistently. Um, what would you say to them if you were the last voice they were ever going to hear in the wilderness, not to give them hope, but to give them inevitability, like to, like to be the tipping point for them, to bring them over the line? What would you say to somebody to save their life? in network marketing set you up 
face a reality. Ooh, tell us about that. First thing to do is to put on a piece of paper all the reasons not to do it and all the reasons to do it. We have built mountains out of nothing. And the longer we wait to jump off the diving board into the water, the harder it's going to be. So therefore, let's figure out what are all the damaging things that, that can happen and all the good things. And once you put it down on a piece of paper, you start realizing nobody's going to take my birthday away. If I make some money in the meantime, nobody's going to take the money back. It's pretty hard to find something that is really detrimental. Okay, now is the timing right for you? That's the next question. It may not be the right timing. Maybe you're just wanting to graduate and move to another area and it's not the right time. That's okay. But you've got to be real with yourself. You're letting fear run your life. You're letting, people are letting their parents run their life and the parents have been deceased for 20 years. <laughs> yeah. And so you must face a reality. You've got the fear. And I tell people as I talk to somebody on Sunday about this. I said, you've got all these fears and your goal has now become to be overwhelmed. So you, through your life, you have taken number of jobs, low paying jobs, because you don't want to be overwhelmed. And so that becomes your focus, how not to be overwhelmed. And everything you tell me about everything you've ever done, you're overwhelmed. And so when you think of doing this business with me, you become overwhelmed after you think about it for a few days. You know what? I, I, I want to be honest with people because I want them to be honest with themselves. You're being very selfish. It's all about you. It's not about other people. If a person is terrified of the water, but they're standing next to a pool and they're the only ones there and a little toddler comes along and falls in the water, they jump in to save the toddler. It overrides the fear right. because it's about somebody else. And so you've got to be real with yourself. And as I explained to this person the other day, I said, fear is normal, but you've created bad fear. It's got to be good fear. When we were young, we had good fear. We did wild and crazy things. It was good fear. We wanted to do it. But then as we got older, oh, no, 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 you shouldn't do that. Shouldn't think out of the box. If you can't think of being abnormal, then it's never going to work. Because most people are not going to do what you're going to do. And what is the worst thing in the world if you scare yourself to death in a good way and you get out of the box and you're successful? Or if you're not successful, what is the worst thing? You will have learned skills that you'll never learn anyplace else. Robert Kiyosaki said, you don't learn much in college. He said, it's when you get out of college because in college they teach you that everything's going to be done just right. And you got to make some mistakes that are stepping stones. They're not terrible things. They're good things that help you to get better. And you don't learn those things until after you're out of college. This is a reality. I want people to be honest with themselves. Don't come up with those excuses. Oh, I'll listen to them. But then I'll say, that's an excuse. Because it's not what they're saying, but I want to know what they're thinking. And that's a skill that a leader must learn how to figure out what they're really, really thinking. Not what they're saying. They may say, well, I... I really don't know people. So I see people working with somebody for three years trying to help them find people. 
And the real reason is they're afraid, they lack confidence. Can we talk to that person about their lack of confidence? As I did to somebody the other day, I said, uh, you did well in sports, didn't you? Yes. I bet you got all A's in school. Yes, I did. How's your level of confidence? She said, well, you don't understand. But she said, when I would walk from class to class in college, my head was facing down. So I can give her all the skills in the world. But I said, you must work on your level of confidence. And I tell you what to do. I said, the first thing you do when you wake up in the morning, you think of things you're thankful for. The next thing is, for three minutes, you stand in front of the mirror and you tell yourself how good you are. (laughs) And you can even make a recording when you're really feeling good that you listen to every day for about two minutes of how good you are. People are attracted to you. You're a great leader. You listen to people. You ask questions. You put some power behind it. You listen to it every day. And while you're driving down the road, you do these affirmations of how good you are. Whatever makes you feel good. So you get the feeling. In two weeks, now this is a person who's been working in this business for seven years and not advancing very far. In two weeks, her whole life changed and the business is pouring in. Because we dealt with the elephant in the room. So please, I would tell people, be honest with yourself. You're making a mountain out of nothing. And if you can't understand that, then just turn your TV on and think about the people that are worried about being shot or their house burning down or enough food. The mountain you have built is nothing. So get rid of it. Beautiful. Hey, Roland, great honor. And believe it or not, 59 minutes. (laughs) You're good, Richard. You're good. I I don't even Uh, it's a great honor to interview somebody. I, you're actually the first, Roland. You are, um, you are the first, well, you are the most senior person I've ever interviewed in terms of, um, I'm, I'm trying to think. There's probably somebody I've interviewed. I'm pretty sure there's somebody I've interviewed that's been in network marketing more than 50 years. There's, there's only like five of us, right? I've, I'm 42 years. Um, but I've never interviewed somebody who's been with one company that long. And I think, you know, you experienced this. This is like maybe six months ago. I was on a Zoom with about a half a dozen of you in your company. And it was really eye-opening for me because every one of you had been with Shackley longer than I'd been in network marketing. <laughs> and, and I'm one of the senior guys. I'm like, wow, this is gold here, you know. and so I love working with you guys because you're such a rare exception, such a great role model for everybody in the profession. Because if we don't build this in a way that pays us 50 years from now, it's just, it's just a waste of time. And, and it's actually defrauding everybody we talk to if we choose a company and choose a product line and, and then build in such a way that it's not going to last. Um, we're just not doing anybody any favors, including ourselves. So Hats off to you, my friend. Um, what a great role model you are. 50 years with one company and great wisdom. I mean, you know, you, you could give us 10 brilliant lessons an hour for a week and then still have plenty of tank in the gas, gas in the tank. So thank you for sharing with us today. Hero call number 103. Remember, folks, do try this at home. 
<laughs> only don't only don't try it because everybody tries, right? Yeah. Just do it. And if you listen to the last five minutes of Roland, you know, a, a different way of saying it might be you got to you got to create a vision, you got to create reasons, you got to create at stakeness that's bigger than your fears. You know, when when the kid falls in the pool, you may have a fear of swimming. You may have a fear of drowning. You may have a fear of water. But guess what overrides all of that? You got a bigger vision, which is save the kid. And if you don't have a save the kid vision, network marketing will eat your lunch. Right? You're right. So thank you, sir, for sharing this hour with us. And thank all of you for uh, listening. And uh, we'll catch you in a couple of weeks with Hero Call number 104. And Richard, I want to thank you for doing this, and I want to thank you for what you're doing for the industry. It is so important to give credibility to this industry because it is going to get bigger and better, and we want to have people in who really understand the importance of making that difference and being involved. So thank you. You're welcome, sir. All right, gang, have a great week. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Richard Bliss Brooks' Network Marketing Heroes podcast. If you are inspired and are ready to create your own success story, then it is time to take advantage of some of the top network marketing tools available. Pick up the top recruiting tool that has prospects saying, yes, the four-year career and the four-year career for women. Get your mindset right. Without a clear vision, success is lost. Check out the best-selling book on vision, Mach 2 with your hair on fire. Learn to think like a successful person with this step-by-step -step guide on how to break through your self-imposed limitations. Mach 2 Vision Training is a 90-minute four-part video training where you get Richard to walk you through crafting your vision. It's a must for anyone looking to step outside the box and hit the ground running. For 10% off your order, use the discount code HERO at checkout. If you're serious about building your business, make sure to subscribe to Richard's blog for all the latest tools and articles. This success story is not typical. It is meant to inspire you and show you what's possible. It is not what you should expect to accomplish. Your income will depend entirely on you, your commitment, your work ethic, your leadership, and your ability to acquire customers and inspire sales leaders to join your team. Most people who start off intending to build a sales team do not maintain their motivation to continue. 